Hey folks, we're back here uh, in Anchorage, back in Anchorage this time, joined by uh, Ralph Samuels. How you doing, Ralph? I'm doing great, Jeff. How are you doing? Pretty good. You're my you're my old rep. From... <laughs> I represented your values in the, in the legislative process. Many, many years ago. <laughs> um, so let's talk about, so you're a former representative. You spent, what, six years in the legislature? I got elected in uh, 2002. So I started serving in January of 03, and I went three terms. Uh, so I left... Uh, officially left in '09. Uh, didn't I didn't run for office, and then I had a very ill-fated attempt. I ran for governor in 2010, which I, was an interesting process, and I did very very poorly. So it kind of beat the it beat the willpower out of me. Well, I want to talk about that later because because um, you actually in your campaign then talked about a lot of the things we're dealing with now. We've been dealing with over the last several years. That is that is true. We campaigned a whole lot on. Uh, uh, fiscal situation of the state. I think Dave uh, Dave Stern always says Ralph was right. <laughs> this is one of his go-tos. Um, so you're kind of uh, different legislators have different backgrounds. Many of them were staffers maybe or you know, lawyers, but you were a private business guy. You were yeah, in aviation, I worked, right? Yeah, I worked for uh, Pen Air, a uh, little, little air taxi. I'd been there since I was, really since I was 18. I did uh, a p- podcast with Oren Sieber a few Oh, he's back. a great guy. Really interesting yep, Oren, podcast. Oren's a great guy and, qu- and quite, a, quite a history if you look at him from the 40s and 50s. Yeah. And he's one of the, uh, what I consider the second tier of uh, aviation legends. First one is you go way back, you know, Bob Reeve mm-hmm. and Ween and Eielson and those guys that came up here in the, probably in the 20s or 30s. And then Orrin after that, and he started and did a very good job running that company, a very tough business, very, very tough business. He was telling me he first got his license because he was a, pretty much Chasing a kid. Chasing girls down and in Chigney. He, he needed to pick up a girl <laughs> and he needed to learn how to fly. There's no roads. It's like, it's like a normal kid getting a driver's license, you know? <laughs> I got freedom to go chase the women, right? And uh, him, it was a little cut above that. Yeah, so. he, he was a fascinating guy. Yeah, he's a very, um, very neat guy. So you were, you were, you were actually working um, – you, you, did you grow up out in the – I grew up, uh, my dad worked for the Weather Service, so I, I consider King Salmon to be my home, where I got the job with Pen Air when I was 18. But I lived in Nome, where my parents met um, and got married. I graduated from high school in Metlakatla, which is an Indian reservation near Ketchikan. Um, You've been all over. Lived wow. in Fairbanks, lived in Anchorage, Lake Otis Elementary. So I, mostly in rural parts of the state is where I, can, you know, mostly King Salmon is where I consider home. But I grew up in a lot of different rural communities. So, so you got into the uh, aviation business when you were pretty got young. Got in the aviation business, loading airplanes. Um, I could bore you to tears with how to insure, how the insurance markets work on, on aviation. Uh, I'm not a pilot, and I don't know how to fix them. But other than fixing them and flying them, I can tell you a whole lot about scheduling them and how the fare structures work and uh, – aircraft types and why airlines do these various things on the business side of things. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had a great career. You ever get those, those weird deals where they, they have some computer glitch and somebody gets a ticket to like London for like yep. 25 bucks or something. <laughs> you, you heard about those on the internet? Yeah, I, I, I see them. And then every now and then I'll see something on social media where Alaska Airlines is going to give free tickets away. And I'm thinking oh, wow. that that's people, people fall people for those. Do it. And you look people, at the, you yeah. look at the domain address and it's like Alaska air, you know, 1050.com. It's like some weird address, and it's obviously not real, but people all the time fall for it. Yeah, and I, I would assume the airline, I, I assume that Delta and United and all the rest of them have the same uh, same dynamic where people, and it must be bad for the airline because then people just get mad at them because they're not giving them a <laughs> ticket away. No, I've seen one with Delta before, and then if they ever actually do that, it's going to be like the boy who cried wolf. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Sure. <laughs> 
So anyway, I spent uh, a lot of time doing various things. And uh, when I was young, uh, you know, I know that you've traveled around quite a bit. When I was young, it was a very seasonal business. So I'd, I'd uh, work in King Salmon during the summertime. And then if I wanted to stay full time, you could. But, you know, I could also take six months off and have free airplane tickets. So I, you know, would travel through Europe for months on end, or oh, Australia. Wow. And, you know, I used to make the joke was if I ran out of scotch, why wouldn't I just go to Scotland? So um, yeah. it was, it was as a young person, it was uh, it was pretty good. You know, wasn't married, had no kids. Uh, and had tickets and a lot of time off during the wintertime. So I could spend a tremendous amount of time uh, kind of seeing the world. So, so you go for a few great. months? At the, on a few these... months at a time. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yep. That's good. I yeah. wish more people – that's part of the issue I've always said. With it. When I travel a lot, I've been all over, all over, and you see Canadians and Australians and Europeans, and you don't see many Americans. I mean, you see them, but young we people – you don't, you know, they don't summer. They don't yeah. travel as much. You know, yeah, we... I assume more during the summertime, but uh, and I, I've never gotten to travel in the summer. Even in, even in my job now, I don't get to travel that much in the summertime. I have, I have so Alaska many friends. Is so, Alaska is so, no matter what job you have on Alaska, you being construction or fishing or tourism or whatever, summer is still the busy season. There's, there's nothing that well, the winter is the busy season. It's also the good, the good weather. Yeah, there's, there's that. Um, yeah, no, I have so many friends who have never left the country, and I tell them, you have to go see something, go yeah. somewhere. It's, it's great. Yeah. Meet people, have a good time. Um, yeah. Kind of see it's a little bit different, a little bit the same. You know, you meet, you meet nice people everywhere. Yeah, no, I think some of the best people I've met in my life have been traveling. Yeah, I, just I random people that. you meet at a hostel or somewhere in a restaurant or a pub or something. Yeah, especially when you say you're from Alaska. I've, I've yeah, never found... say you're never say you're just from an American because then they just kind of dismiss you like whatever. But uh, when you say you're from Alaska, yeah. it's always interesting. Every time it's like, oh, what? Like, and especially before, like my first travels were in 2006, really, when I went to Europe for a while. That was before the whole Palin thing. But after Palin, you yeah. say Alaska, and it's like almost all. I was in China one time in this this train station. I talked to this guy from from Tanzania, and I was just talking with him and he asked where I was from and I said Alaska and he like got excited and he this is right before the it was 2008 right before the presidential election and he stands up and he's like oh my god do you know Sarah Palin <laughs> middle of China <laughs> I, it's a guy from Africa it was I'll never forget that yeah I was in a uh, a little gift shop and it was well past my younger traveling days um, I was in a gift shop in Quebec City Oh, nice! And it was it was November, so it was way in the off season. I was the only one, and I was kind of wandering around this gift shop. And the the gal that uh, was working the store just chit chatting, like, "Where are you from, Alaska?" And she said, "Oh, do you know Sarah Palin?" And I said, "As a matter of fact, I do." And oh. she just didn't know what to say because I'm a customer, so she can't say good or bad, or and she can't say anything. She just immediately shut up. She didn't quite know how to, you know. She thought. I was going to laugh and say, "No, I don't." Like, well, actually, yeah. You told her you were in the legislature when she know, was. No, I didn't say anything else. I didn't wow, say anything else. She said, do you know her? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Because you were there when she was the governor. The, right I until was she... there. Um, she was three sessions, um, and I was there for the first two. So I, I left. I didn't run in 08, and she served for that first half of that legislature, the following mm-hmm. legislature in 09. So why, why did you uh, – you did the aviation for a long time. Why did you decide to run for – you know, I, I had a, a tragedy in my family. I had a uh, my older brother got murdered. Um, All right, I was yeah. 27 years old at the time, and pretty much a happy-go-lucky guy. I mean, just travel in the wintertime, and you know, life was good. And after that happened, um, we didn't like the way that we got treated by the system, and it took so long. Had that thing been resolved within a year, you know, my life probably would have turned out a lot differently. But it dragged on, my, and my poor pa- parents, it dragged on for roughly six and a half years before they even determined whether or not he was going to be an adult, the man who 
killed Dwayne, whether he was an adult or still a juvenile, because it was a home robbery gone horribly wrong. This wasn't, I mean, he was executed in his own home, essentially. And um, you get so angry by the time the mid-90s rolled around after four or five years of it is that I literally, I went to Juneau and I literally took a cab to the airport and I had to ask the cab driver, like, you know, you got the brick building is the Capitol building, the big glass building, the Department of Law building. The cab driver had to tell me which is which. I went down to Juneau and you went to Juneau and you knew, you know people and at least mm-hmm. you know their personalities. I knew nothing, but I was just mad. And... Um, I had uh, some folks that uh, helped me quite a bit and ended up being successfully changing um, the criminal justice law, found a bill sponsor and all of these things. It took me a long time to learn the process. And at the same time, similar to now, there was kind of a spike in crime. And it was violent crimes committed by juvenile offenders. There were a series of them in a row. Um, So I became the, the poster child, if you will, for... Uh, treating violent juvenile offenders, 16 to 17 year olds, as adults, and I would adult I would, crime, adult time, right? Adult crime. That was the that was the mantra. Adult crime, that. adult time, and uh, kind of learned the system. And you know how it goes down there. You're you're sitting there, and I didn't know this at the time, but you're waiting for your hearing on your bill, and the committee runs out of time. Or the committee, and now in hindsight, I look at it for political reasons. They didn't want to hear the bill. Or they, you know, this happened and that happened, and you put pushbacks. So I'd sit in Juno for three days waiting for a hearing on my one bill. You have no idea why, yeah, why it's not happening. Yeah, and but you learn a whole lot about the process because you're sitting in a committee room just waiting for a hearing, and, and you know they have a hearing on this and they have a hearing on that, and I found it kind of it was interesting, um, and you get to know some of the personalities involved, and. Um, who was your rep? Did you have a were you uh, with your Mark rep? Hanley uh, was my representative at one point, and this went on for so long. Um, Norman Rokeberg um, was my representative later. A guy named Jim Nordland uh, was a representative for the Taku Campbell area. I think when the bill passed, it was Jim, um, and they'd, they'd had some redistricting that had shuffled, taken place in there, and uh, so I had three or four, and you kind of get to know, like I said, the personalities and who's with me and who's not with me. And I'd run a chit sheet around and have people sign off whether I vote for my bill or not. And wow. it was, it was quite as, as a private citizen, it was eye opening. Yeah. That's a, you know, the thing down there, most people don't get, if they do go, they go for a day, maybe or a couple of days. Correct. So they don't, you know, I was now, this is my first time spending, um, a long, long period of time in Juneau. And you just, so much goes on that you have to really, the only way to understand it is to be there. Exactly. And it's not as, um, especially after be, having been elected after a while, it's not as partisan, I don't think, as the press would would bring out because the headlines are always the Democrats vote this way and the Republicans vote that vote that way. In my experience, after not just this one issue, um, it tends to be more geographical. Things are important right. in the southeast. People in other parts of the state probably don't have the same concerns about gang violence that we might have here in Anchorage or maybe the Matt Sioux and us together. But they don't really have it in western Alaska. On the other hand, we don't have bootlegging. So criminal justice bills go through this process. And I would go speak at the time to uh, the rural legislators, right, whom I – got along with personally very well. I don't care if they're Democrats or Republicans or whatever. Well, you grew up rural, rural Alaska, yeah. so you have a different experience. So I would go ask them, uh, the representative from Bethel and the representative from, from Kotzebue, and I would say, look, there's this criminal justice bill going through, and here's what I'm going to do with this bill 
for gang violence in Anchorage because you talk to the mayor and the APD chief and you talk to these other folks and talk like, to the governor about what they want to do. So they said, but here's a bootlegging provision. And me, I'm a hang em high guy, right? <laughs> that's just, you know, mm-hmm. look at my background. And I said, so that's my knee-jerk reaction, but it's your community. So what do you want to do? And it wouldn't be, and I would hope that, um, because I was in the majority, I would hope that if they were in charge, they would come to me and say, what do you want to do about the gang violence? Because they don't have gang violence in, in, you know, Nordic. Yeah. So you'd hope, because in my experience, it was, I said, more geographic issues than it was party. Yeah, I've I've noticed that. Also, just, I think, it's just, in general, people... With a few exceptions, people work together every day, and yep. they might hate each other during the campaign, but yep. they, you know, they get along you, fine during. Some people you like, some people you didn't like, you know, between the other legislators and the staff, and you know, there's all these what I call the 300 people that interact in the process. It's a very strange people. building with, and, with especially the governor's office being in the middle, third floor, and then you have kind of the finance floor, and then you have the yeah, fourth the money's floor. Money's on the top floor. The, yeah. I, I like the fourth floor. Yeah, the dormitory. That's where all that <laughs> happens. But it's just. These people who, one of the things that puzzles me the most is I know there's people, everybody knows, there's folks in there who have tried so hard to get somebody beat, and they'll, and they'll during the election, they'll just, yep. and then all of a sudden, they're like chatting, like buddy-buddy. Yep. It's kind of just a weird thing. Yep. You know, I was surprised because when I first got elected, once again, I'd, I'd been down there for my one issue, and I paid attention, but I didn't really know these people that well, and there's people that I thought I would dislike that I ended up thoroughly enjoying their company. Didn't agree on anything. We were never going to vote the same way on anything, but I thoroughly enjoyed their company. And people that I thought that I would get along yeah, with fine, well, we vote the same on every issue. We we are right of center. Locks generally, up, yeah. generally speaking, we saw the world, the role of government the same way. But it's like, eh, you know, we get along, but not that well. No, I, I totally, I mean, I you know, I ran, so I briefly ran for the seat you had. Um, and Chris Tuckett had been there for two terms, and I briefly... I switched races in the middle to run for the Senate, but I, um, it's funny because I, in my mind, I built Chris up as this really kind of bad, this horrible guy, and then you meet him, and he's a nice guy. He's the nicest guy you'll ever meet, and you might not agree with him, and you might not like his politics, but you, you build people up, and these, you characterize them. Or you put them in a box. Right, and then you meet him, and all of a sudden you realize, wow, these people are very yeah. different than and I. And everybody, for the most part, I'm sure there are some exceptions, and you and I would maybe even disagree on what the exceptions are, Everybody's trying to do what they think is the best for the state. No, I agree with that. Generally yeah. speaking, there are some that love the game more than the policy, but I think there are few and far between. No, I agree. I think people. I mean, I think most people want to get to the same, the point. same goal. Just they just might have a different way of doing it. Correct, and some of it is ideological. I mean, there's some. You know, I'm a pretty conservative guy, so pretty much there are people that are staunch liberal ideology. I like them as people sometimes. But I'm not going to see the same path to get to the same goal mm-hmm. as they do. So this bill you worked on on, on your brother eventually got passed. It passed. Uh, passed pretty much overwhelmingly. Um, and now, in, and under the cool light of, of of daylight, people can disagree with with that. Um, so automatically, what is considered a class A or an unclassified felony. You don't want to get too much in the weeds. But if you hurt a person, if it's a sexual assault. Murder, attempted murder, arson, I believe is the, is the other one. Um, you will be treated, if you're 16 or 17, then you get treated as an adult. If you're below 16, then you have to prove that you're amenable to treatment. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the, what the standard is. Because 
Um, and there are, it doesn't happen very often, but when it does, I mean, the Grinwald case is obviously yeah. in, in the news right now. Uh, those people, those folks were impacted, and every now and then you'll see some of these horrific crimes by a tremendously young offender. So, so the the guy who uh, killed your brother, he just recently was up for parole, right? He was up for parole. Uh, we had a hearing in February, which was, for my family, very traumatic uh, experience. Um, and they denied the parole, so we have to come back again in 10 years. That's kind of generally what the rule of thumb is. That's a max when they they will say he can come back again. So this happened in the 80s? That was 89. 89, so what's 30, yeah. 30, 30 <laughs> yeah. years? Yes, so he served. He got... He got an 89-year uh, sentence. He got a 99-year sentence. What, what happened in the house of that day was it was black and white. It was horrific, this horrific crime. There, this wasn't like a drug deal gone bad or a fight over a woman where you could kind of say, eh, I don't know. This was, a, this was I had, um, all bad. It wasn't my, my, my brother, but it was a very good friend of mine. Um, 2012, October 28th, over at Platinum Jack's for Halloween, we was leaving a bar and, and the kind of fight broke out. He tried to get involved. Russian guy. Met him when I moved here. Really good, really good guy. Just and then got involved in it. A guy pulled out a gun and shot him twice and killed him. Yeah. And you know, you just you wonder, you just gonna go back and say, why this? You know, why this happened? And you you think about it all the time. And I tried to, you know, revive him. And it was really it was horrible for the family. His mom was here, and but you never really get over it. I'll, I'll tell you. I, I mean, still think about. You, I still you, think about it. You uh, you'll you'll always think about it. You, you, in in our family, the, the saying is, you learn to live with it. Well, and this, it was it wasn't as long, but it was similar. It took about nine months to find the guy. And then there was this long, drawn-out trial that took, I mean, it was a couple of years before it got resolved. Right. And, you know, you, you, you look at the folks defending them, and, you know, it's just, it's just so hard to be there and watch it. You know, I, I've, I've been through it. Yep. And it wasn't yeah. a brother, but it was somebody that was a very yeah, close friend uh, of mine. Like I said, it, uh, you look at the <clears throat> violence now, and you don't understand. Even, even all the, the spate of murders we've had in Anchorage in the last couple of years here, um, there's a family behind every one of those victims, even if it is a drug deal gone bad. Even if it is, it's still, uh, you know, somebody's behind there that uh, is going to live with that the rest of their like lives. It's like a butterfly effect. It affects, you know, un, untold amount of people yes. when something like that happens. Even, even a member of the general public that decides, you know what, I'm not going to go downtown anymore after 10 o'clock. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's what I think a lot of folks now are. Yeah. When I downtown right now with what's going on, I tend to avoid going out late just since that happened. Yep. Um, yeah. Anyway, so... So you so you did that, and that's kind of your your was it, that was your path to say I want to maybe I want to be, path, in, be involved. You know, in this? Once, uh, so there was redistricting. I had, so I and they, when they had the redistricting, I was in a brand new district in two thousand and two. And prior to that, as the you know the redistricting board draws the lines, and I had a phone call from a friend of mine and said, "Hey, uh, your name?" Because I was the chairman of the board at the Anchorage Chamber of Commerce. Um, so you're. You don't have a lot of notoriety, but you probably are associated with people that will donate to your campaign and, and help you donate. So, so you're automatically in that position. You're somewhat of a legitimate candidate. A leg up from somebody. You get a leg up from somebody who's not who's not in that position. So, um, I got a phone call from somebody who said, "Hey, your name came up as a potential candidate for this new district." And I said, "I don't even know what you're talking about. Don't have a. I don't even know what you're talking." You about. didn't follow the redistricting at the time, or I didn't. You know, I thought that sometime in the future I'll run for office. That's what I. That's what I thought. And so they redrew the lines, and that guy was out. And I had another guy in, another friend, same exact conversation. Hey, your name came up. So I'm telling this story, and I'm out to dinner with some friends. 
And I'm telling this story. And a couple of these friends were very politically active. And before the dinner ended, two, two bottles of wine in with, in with dinner, they had a fundraiser scheduled. I'm running. I'm running for office. And that's the way. And what a, what a campaigning, as you, as you know, I, I think you probably like campaigning more than I do. I love it. I liked the job. It was an interesting job. Frustrating as heck. It is just frustrating. you got to get 21 people to agree to have a meeting, much less do something at the meeting. So the job as a legislator, they get, they get beat up at the public quite a bit on, you know, you, you don't do anything. And so on and so on. It's hard to do. Th- it's built so that nothing happens. The Founding Fathers built this system so nothing happens. And we don't swing far left and far right. We tend to kind of so it's a, status quo. It's a, it's a big ship with a and, tiny and rudder. It's a big ship with a tiny rudder. A good way to put it. So um, anyway, so I had the fundraiser. Um, I ended up running my first time. There was no Democrat. I was the Republican. Um, and uh, Ray Metcalf ran. As, oh, Disco Ray. Uh, Disco Ray ran oh as, my a, gosh. as a independent or Republican moderate, I believe he was at the time. He had a different party, didn't he? Republican. Yeah. He started his own party, and I don't know. I, you know, in hindsight, he he must have made a deal with the Democrats. I, I'm thinking I, because the Democrat dropped out literally the last day, and the next two I actually ran against Chris, or Chris ran against me. Yeah, he, he ran. Say. Yeah, he ran twice against you, right? Yep. Um, so I did my six years, and uh, it, I came out of the private sector, and I'm probably a better businessman than I was a politician. So I went back. You were the. Uh... I recall you were the lone vote against a GIA, right? The, I the was, gas line. Yes, my kind of my that was claim big, to fame politically. That yeah. was the big uh, uh, boondoggle, that half a billion dollars, right? That the, was five hundred million to Trans Canada. So I get to say I told you so quite a bit whenever I. So why'd you vote? Like you, you just you saw it, or you, you knew? No, there were three or four of us. Okay, so as, you, as you've learned watching down there, there's by the time the session ends, uh, there'll probably be five hundred pieces of legislation floating around, right? Yep. Some of them are on. You know what you would consider minor things, but somebody considers their major thing. Somebody wants to replace the size of PVC pipe that's required to put in a new build home, and somebody else wants to change the rules on manicurists. And some people get interested in healthcare, and some people get interested in criminal justice things. I got interested in gas pipelines. That's what I got interested weird, in. Weird. So that's you a weird learn. One. You learn. You have all this access to information. You know, you call up an oil company president, and the guy calls you back. You have a conversation with, with, you know, I, I remember sitting down with Daniel Jurgen, who wrote the book The Prize. Yeah, Mike Dunley, the governor, him. just sat with him last week. Exactly. So conference. I sat with him for a couple hours at a coffee shop in, in D.C., walking through um, gas pipelines in the political arena in Alaska and what, you know, what this company says and what that company says and what the government says and what the federal government says. So you just learn more and more and more, and the more I learned, the more it looked like the the plan forwarded by former Governor Palin, I didn't think would get us a gas pipeline. And it was I got that it was going to pass, and quite frankly, I remember waking up that morning um, and and thinking, well, my political career is probably over because she's very, very popular. <laughs> and, she had like and, 80, and I'm going to look like I'm just, you know, shilling for the oil companies and everything because I'm going to vote against the bill, which generally speaking, they didn't say it, but I didn't really like like it that much. And the more I had learned, I knew more than most of my colleagues. There was a couple that were kind of like me, found an interest in it. Um, but most of them didn't live and breathe it. Same way I don't live and breathe and didn't live and breathe the healthcare issues. I would just kind of know a little bit and I'd find people that I trusted. So maybe, you know, Representative Landfield. I go, well, he spends a lot of time on healthcare. I'm just going to be with Jeff on this one. 
And it's generally, mm-hmm. you know, you can't be good at 500 different yeah, you pieces a, of legislation. You got to know a lot about, you got to know a little, a little about bit, a lot. You know a little bit about a lot of things. And compared to my colleagues, I knew a lot about gas pipelines. And I think the ego mistake that I made was that I thought that I knew a lot compared to Daniel Jurgen and people that li- do, this, do this for a living. And the reality is, as a legislator, you do not. You do not know everything about a subject compared to somebody in the private sector that does this completely 24 hours a day. You think you do because you're better than your colleagues at it. And that's kind of the one thing I did not know that then. But in hindsight, as I look back at mistakes I made in the process, I think that's probably the biggest one is you don't, you, you don't know everything that somebody that does this for a living knows. For having somebody in the legislature might be really good at aviation, I spent 30 years in the aviation business, right? You're not going to know as much as I do. 30 years, every day, all day long. Yeah, no way. So Some people, problem is some people think they know. They think they do. They think and they I know did. a lot. Quite frankly, I was as guilty as anybody else. I thought that I knew a lot about gas pipelines. I knew more than my colleagues did. That's you were, a, you were still right a big on, difference. You were still right on the Aegea And yes, thing. I was still right on the Aegea thing. So you I can say I told you so. So, so you, you didn't run, um, and fast forward... You decided to run. Why did you decide to run for governor? You know, I I looked at um, as an individual legislator, your voice is louder than a member of the public. Um, you, you've got more influence on public policy, but boy, if you really want to move the needle on public policy, um, the executive branch in Alaska is where to go. The well, executive the, branch is it. The, and I grew frustrated. The, I grew frustrated with trying to get my 21 people to agree to have a meeting rather than the governor can, you know, tremendous well, amount yeah, of our, influence. Our framers of our constitution, I mean, they've, they set it up specifically very strong and I, I, executive. I, I, you know, I've liked governors and not liked governors. It kind of depends on, on what's happening in Alaska at the day. But I think that um, I like that system better because, like, if you look at the line item veto that the governor of Alaska has um, – the president of the United States does not have that. Right. So you got to veto the whole budget. So then your only leverage as the executive is a government shutdown. And then if if the politics of the day spins where you don't want to shut the government down, then you start passing budgets and how many trillions of dollars of debt are, are we as a country now? 20-something. Uh, yeah, so um, I tend to agree. Um, I see the downsides, though. I mean, it, it's a tough choice when you look at it from skip – the personalities of the day set aside well, who no, no, the no, governor no. is and who's in the legislature and you know who, what's happening and they generally you will look at it as how you want to set your government up um and i think i like the strong governor our, our veto override is three quarters of the three quarters so it's 45 right. i mean good luck getting 45 right. i think the last one they did was i think palin or, or maybe parnell there was like one override i mean they, they very rarely, rarely happen veto overrides right. Yeah, I haven't looked at the history of it. And I said it's more of set aside the issues of the day. That's not what I'm talking about is this governor or this legislature. But um, I compare it to the national scene where you you look at the executive on the national level. Um, it, it's a shut the government to all or nothing. And I don't know if that's. So, so you ran it was in the primary. You. Parnell, Parnell and, Walker. and Bill Walker. So two out of three got so, to be governor, and I, I'm the big loser. You're, you're of the next. Three. <laughs> no, you, you gotta, <laughs> third yeah. time is charming. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see. So, but I remember you know very vividly at the uh, RDC events and different campaign events, and you were talking about um, you know the spending, the the budget. You were talking about right. things, and I, I re- really like remember people just didn't want. I mean, I remember 
people at the table like, I don't want to hear that. You know, we're 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 doing fine. Price yeah. of oil is one hundred and fifty um, or one hundred and forty. It uh, it it's hard. I don't think that the general public. Um, it's kind of hard to badmouth your competitors, and it's hard to just be mad at the public. So it kind of is what it is. You know, I, yeah. you know, if I'd have lost by one vote, if I'd have lost by one vote, I'd probably still never have gotten over it. That's but like a, I lost so a, badly. Catherine Dodge and yeah. Fairbanks, one vote. Yeah, Bart yeah, Levin won by one vote. One vote. So or or Bryce beat Carl with a coin yeah. toss. Coin, coin flip. Yeah. Um, but as it was, is you know those of us that pay attention a lot to this. You know, the 300, you know, or maybe maybe more in the state. Maybe you get a couple thousand that really pay attention to this stuff. Um, I think most of them probably would have agreed with me on, you know, you, you can't afford the government that you've got uh, with going down the road. But the general public uh, obviously did not. I mean, I got, you know, like 15 percent or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I actually, I, you know, I ran recently for the Senate in 2016, and Craig Johnson got in last minute, so it was a three-way, and I got third, and I got, so I don't even feel that bad, because I mean, <laughs> there's nothing you can do. I mean, nothing I could have done. Exactly. Would have if changed. I lost by one vote, I should have done something differently. Eh, you know. So then, and then now you've, you've been with um, Holland America. I work for Holland America now, um, and do their community relations. A- aviation to water. Um, yeah, it's back in the private sector. The issues, you know, business issues are business issues. You know, look at costs and revenues and whatnot. And so. you're, you're still you're you for a long time been involved with RDC. Yeah, RDC and the and the chambers, the same uh, type of thing that I did at Pen Air, um, as far as the community outreach goes. Um, and I, I thoroughly enjoy having my toe in the water, without having to, like you know, I. How long were you in Juno? Uh, let's say there for two months. Yeah, a few months I've been there for. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to go for two it's, months. It's, it's, um, I might have to go down there every now and then, but uh, the, the, really don't have much, that much interaction with it. The one thing about it was it just it just uh, it, it just a energy suck. I mean, it's just being there and just <laughs> it just takes everything out of you. It is, and, and you know you you can't really go work because you're so busy and you don't work. You go to the gym and you have to you're up early and sometimes you're up to, you're up late watching stuff and you have people and you know. I'm glad I did it. It's experience of a lifetime. I'm glad I ran for governor, despite the fact it was a very expensive little foray into a six-month six month campaign. Um, but I can't see the whole doing it for 20 years. That just wasn't me. I, I, I wish, wasn't me. I wish more people um, would would do your path, where they go in there for six or eight years, and then they, they go back to the into the private sector, where they have to kind of work in, in, under the laws that yeah. are created. Because a lot of them have been there for 10, 20 years, and, and they don't seem to want to go anywhere and it's kind of their, like you said maybe they were staffer for a while they become yeah, a, legislator. a lot of folks come up and they were started off with staff and nothing, nothing wrong with that um and the business community tends to not draw people into the political arena uh, i mean oren siebert let me he knew the he knew the background with my brother and i said i'd be interested in doing this and he let me do it and come back to work he let me see that's you're but lucky if, but because... if i worked at Delta Airlines, this global corporation, um, and I said, hey, I'm going to take six months off, maybe eight, maybe five. <laughs> can't can't, can't <laughs> tell you. Don't really know. People are going to be mad at me. A lot of people are going to be mad at me no matter what I do. What do you think about giving me a job when I get back? And they're going to go, well, look, I'm trying to run a company here. Well, I, and I, I understand it, but had Oren not let me, then all of a sudden it's a choice. Then all of a sudden I have a, you know, do you want to give up the job for a job that in two years – you might lose. The voters might throw you out. Uh, so it's, yeah. 
Yeah, and the thing is, we, we have this quote-unquote citizen legislature, but the reality is most regular citizens, through either a job situation, family, you know, income. Got little kids. All these different yep. factors yep. of it. They can't do it. So you get a very kind of already people who want to run for office are an interesting <laughs> There's something character. wrong with all of us, Jeff? Yeah, there's already something that? wrong with you. <laughs> but then you, you amplify it with this kind of system we have that it really becomes a very, you know, unless you're retired or maybe wealthy – you, you get a very interesting group of people who end up I would getting, tend, I would running, tend, getting, I would tend to agree with that. Getting elected. You know, people like you and I that chose to run, and people like, what's wrong with you? Why well, Why would I vote for somebody who would choose to run for office? And, and, and my, you fall into, the, into this, like, you can't win. My thing was I ran for the Senate twice, and if I ever run again, and you, you actually, you, were, you, you wanted me to run for the House <laughs> years ago, um, and a lot of people did. Being down there, I got to be in the House. I mean, that's where that's where it's happening. Well, It's a lot more fun. You know, the the... The districts are smaller, so in Anchorage. I'm just going to talk about running in Anchorage. The districts are smaller, so walking door to door is a bigger part of the campaign, and the money matters a little bit less. It matters. Being able to raise funds. But in a Senate district, it's a lot more houses to knock on. Double. Double. double, Even Anchorage. Double houses, and even the difference between the hillside and where, uh, where I represented you, right? Taku Campbell, man, you could walk door to door all day, yeah. all day, and I would go every day after work. You live on the hillside, you're getting to a third as many houses with long driveways, so it depends on the geography. But well, and, in and, some and of these areas, the Senate is more than twice as hard. In my house, than. in my house district, I actually did I did really well in that district because it's kind of more my kind of people. Yep. But the other, you know, um, Southport, Bayshore, Ocean View, yep. these are kind of not not really my people. <laughs> I, I tried em. to explain that to you, actually. <laughs> you were right. I got murdered. I'll never forget, I went the day of the election. Um, it was Natasha von, Senator von Imhoff and then Craig Johnson. I actually, I had a really good social media campaign. We were doing, I was door, hitting door to door and I actually felt really good about it. I mean, I, there's no polling that I saw that I had. So, I, um, why would you, in a legislative district, why would you spend money on a poll? Yeah, and, if, and, if, and some, some people do it as a bigger poll, but they don't show you. And So I had no idea. I Actually, people really, because of the social media presence we had and all the different this kind of crazy signs, I thought maybe, maybe this will. So I go to pull my... Um, Juno's worst nightmare. Juno's worst think, nightmare. I'm trying to think of the crazy signs. Yes. Yeah, there's Juno, there was a high energy. There was yeah. all these different things we put on the with my face, like a graphic vector. I remember, yes. They, they, were, they were around. And um, so I go to my, my polling, my precinct to Taco Elementary to pull the tape. You're allowed to, if you're a candidate or an observer, you can, after they close, you can pull the tape. So I pull it, and it was, it was I'll never forget this. It was like Natasha von Imhoff, 97 votes. I had like 81, and Craig had like 75. So I said, well, I lost. You know, <laughs> I knew it, because if I can't win my own precinct. So I, I go to Asia Garden, which was where the, after, like, the party was, and I'm just like trying to put on this fake... Because I knew I lost, and then and then Taylor Bickford was doing a watch thing with, I think Midnight Sun or whatever, and he sent me a tape. I'll never forget this. It was um, it was like Bayshore one, and it was like Natasha like three fifty, Craig like <laughs> two ten, me like sixty five. I mean it was whatever it was. You didn't it lose was, by one vote. It was real bad. You didn't lose by one vote, Jeff. <laughs> look at the bright side. You said I, I I'm in twenty ten with uh, me and Sean and Bill for governor. I'm. Better to get creamed than I, to lose my one vote. I totally agree because then you you, you, you <laughs> nothing I could have done your whole life. You wonder about it. So are you are you maybe done for public? Are you gonna? Yeah, ever I think do it so. Again? Um, A lot of people bring you up down there. They talk about you. You know, it. Um, I, I I enjoyed learning so much about my state. <clears throat> you know, it's uh, 
all the the bills, first of all, and then everybody's story. Everybody's got a different story about why they're there. So you get to know your colleagues real well, and it's way different even to being staff or you're down there as kind of as the press. Um, you're in the club. You're an elected person. You're in the club, and you get to know these people, and uh, it was great. I've made some lifelong friends uh, that I served with down there. I met a staff down there. So I'm glad I did it, but um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'd have to take a long pause before I thought about doing that again. See, and, and, and you're probably the kind of person who who should be elected because you say, oh, I'm not really sure. I gotta, you know, you really got to be pushed to do it. Like you said, they they approached you, right, when you first ran some people. Uh, they asked me if I was going to. They did not recruit me to do that because they wanted to at the time. They said if you if you know. Oh, so and then oh, the lines okay. changed again. They're making sure I wasn't. And then the, when the lines, when the music stopped and the chairs were all set up both of those guys were out they were out of the district redistricting and i was the only one left so i hadn't even thought about it but they didn't know it but at the time they talked me into it it's funny how some people you know like i've run other people they really want to run, they run hard they, they 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 lose they can't win and then some people just run unopposed or some people just go into it just yeah. kind of becomes a yeah. you know a right place right time or different That's factors a, a bit of what it was for me is right place right right time although i ought to tell you um, a lot of people say they walk door to door. Every night I walk door to door. Every night. Oh, I, I remember going door to door. and Every I, day I would go in there. I mean, to the point where I would have friends that would show up. I, you know, I'd knock on the door. Lindsey Knight, guy that used to own Gold's Gym, right? He lived in the district, and he'd, like, finally stop me, right? He'd, like, just stop. Stop knocking. I'm going to vote for you. Just, like, go away, <laughs> you know, because yeah. he was never home, but I always had the door hanger. Lindsay, sorry I missed you. Sorry I missed you. Sorry I missed you. No, I, I ran into people when I because it was the same district, m most yeah. of it. And I ran into folks that knew you yeah. or would ask, you know, ask, where, 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 is Ralph running? You know, I said, no, no, I am. <laughs> well, I still get stopped in the store occasionally. People, you know, are at the airport. You're walking through the airport and people ask if I'm going to Juno and like, well, no. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, don't, I don't think some people don't live and breathe it quite like you and I do. Well, Ralph, it's been a great, used to. great great conversation, great podcast. I really appreciate you sitting down with me. Certainly. And uh, maybe we can do it again sometime. Okay. All right, Ralph. Sure. Thanks again, right. folks. If you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast with me sometime, let me know, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Landline.